Welcome back to another segment of Malaka Araya to the Remnant. This is part two of our Feast Days edition. Hallelujah. So family, we're going to jump right into it. And today we're going to be reading from Leviticus chapter eight. So if you have not yet uh, heard part one, please stop what you're doing. Even stop this one and go to part one, get caught up, and then at another time, come back for part two if you choose. Or you can listen to part two and then get caught up on part one at another time, okay? As part one took us through the book of Matthew, that's Matit Yahu chapter six. Now today, this segment is going to be... um. In the Old Testament, it was called the Old Testament, and we're going to be going through the chapters and verses that speak specifically about the Day of Atonement, about the Feast of Trumpets, and also about the Festival of Sukkot. So stay tuned after one of my favorite songs. This is Our Father by Malka Norwood. Give 
give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Let me just say, you know, that song would have been perfect to go on uh, the segment of part one. I may go over there and, and put it on there and do a little bit of editing because that song, it, it sung what Yahusha taught in Matit Yahoo 6. Hallelujah. All right, family. So look, I'm going to be reading, and I hope I didn't say Leviticus chapter 8 in the beginning of this, because if I did, please, um, correction. All right, I'm reading from uh, Leviticus chapter 16 concerning the Day of Atonement. And I just found a very interesting um, connection with this chapter of the book of Leviticus with what we're learning in the book of Enoch. Now, a lot of people want to discredit Enoch and say that it's fable, it's, you know, it's whatever, it's made up stories. But there's something there in Enoch, a name that is in the book of Enoch that is also in this chapter of Leviticus. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Spirit of truth. Spirit of wisdom. Ruach be'emet. Ruach be'chokmah. In the name of Yahweh Shai, Hamashayak, I'm asking for you to be with us during this segment. Hallelujah. May we be able to recognize the truth 
reject the lies. May we accept the truth and reject the lies. Let us not be wise in our own eyes, but teach us, Father. For the books are now being opened before us. Hallelujah. Let's go. In Yahusha's name, all truth, all wisdom. Amen. So, after I saw what I saw in Leviticus 16, I said, let me do a little <clears throat> Google search, right? To see what the significance of the Azazel is <clears throat> during this time of atonement. So, this is what I got from uh, Britannica.com. It says Azazel. In Jewish so-called legends, in so-called Jewish legends, right? A demon or evil spirit to whom in the ancient rite of Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement, or Yom Kippurim, Days of Atonement, a scapegoat was sent bearing the sins of the Jewish people. Two male goats were chosen for the ritual, one designated by lots for Yahuwah, the other for Azazel. And this is found in Leviticus 16, 18. All right, so we're not done. We're not done making the connection. Give me a minute. Let him with ear to hear hear. May the spirit of discernment be heavy upon us right now in Yahushua's name. All right, so after doing a little more digging, right, um, I read about one of the first interpretations of the name Azazel. And now you guys know us Yasharalites, we really um, do our best to stay away from anything um, Tamuldic, right? And my thing is this. Those people stole our customs. They stole our scrolls. They stole our identity. So how far-fetched is it that they even stole our ancient stories that were true? Now, what Satan does is he takes some truth and he makes it in with some lies. Okay, so this is why I prayed for wisdom and truth during this segment. Okay, so with our discernment hats on, family, let's read a little bit about what this says. Okay, because I'm telling you, it, it just, we don't ask questions. It's literally in Leviticus. 16, starting in verse 8, right, about how our ancestors did and what they did on the Day of Atonement, all right? And it says that lots were cast. There were two goats. Lots were cast. One goat would be for an offering to Yahuwah. But then the other goat, let's see what that other goat was for, all right? And then we're going to get into reading the verse. Let me see here. Okay, let me scroll up to the top. Hmm, guys, 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 family, family, family. So, it says... It starts out by saying, a half angel, half demon named Azazel and his connection to Yom Kippur. What is, what are the strange biblical origins of the term scapegoat? Because that's what the second goat was. It was for a scapegoat, right? And what does it have to do with the Jewish Day of Atonement. 
You may or may not be aware that the word Azazel is often used in modern Hebrew in a similar function to the word hell in English. As in a place where you can tell someone particularly annoying to go to. Now that, and you, I'm going to tell y'all, people so loosely, I go to hell, I go to hell, I go to hell. Y'all better be careful saying that to y'all brother and sister. Because Yahweh Shai came into the earth to prevent the children of Yasharal from going to hell. All right? He came. Don't get me started. What did he say? He said he came for the lost sheep of the house of Yasharal. Come to the comfort them for what? For redemption. To save them from where? So y'all be careful telling y'all brothers and sisters to go to hell. But let me keep reading. Um, Some of you may also have heard of the ancient Jewish practice dating from before the destruction of the temple of Seir. Lazael, wait, Lazazel. Yeah, sorry. The destruction of the temple of Seir Lazazel, a goat for Azazel. The ritual of sending a goat into the wilderness as atonement for the sins of the people, hence the term scapegoat. But did you know that Azazel was also the name of a dangerous, destructive angel who, according to Jewish mystical tradition, was responsible for teaching humans some of history's most horrible lessons. So, who exactly is the rebellious angel Azazel, and how is he related to Yom Kippur? Hmm. Things that make you say, hmm. Let's go. Now it's showing us what it said in Leviticus. 16, starting in verse 8, it says, And Aaron shall cast lots upon the two goats, one lot for Yahuwah, or it says here, the Lord, and the other lot for Azazel. And Aaron shall present the goat upon which the lot fell for the Lord, and offer him for a sin offering, but the goat on which the lot fell for Azazel shall be set alive before the Lord to make atonement over him, to send him away for Azazel into the wilderness. That's Leviticus 16 verses 8 through 10. So again, we have to be able to differentiate fact from fable, okay? And ask yourselves, why is it in the Canaan? Why is this scripture, uh, Leviticus 16, 8 through 10, in the scriptures? Why is it in the Canaan? Why did they allow it to stay in, but remove the book of Enoch? Hmm. It begins with an, old, with an age-old tradition rooted in the Bible that took place once a year on Yom Kippur. On that day, a day of atonement and fasting, the high priest was permitted to enter the Holy of Holies in the temple and bring with him a sacrifice to the God of Israel. Before leaving the temple, he cast lots for two goats. The first would be sacrificed to God on the spot, and the second would be sent into exile to Azazel after all the sins of Yasharal. So you guys hear me saying God because I'm reading from this source online, and I will um, give you guys the source again so that you can look it up for yourselves. Uh, at the end of this reading here, okay? All right. 
And I'm just saying, you know, I'm, I'm saying that there are things in the Bible that coincide with the things that are written in the Apocryphas. There are even some things, not all things, some things spoken in the Talmud that are also spoken in the Bible. Not saying that everything spoken in the Talmud is correct because those are some, y'all, I'm going to watch my mouth. But y'all know us Yashara lights. We don't, we don't practice the things in the ways that they practice, okay? But understand that the things that they practice, a lot of them, they stole from us and just perverted it and twisted it, okay? And so now we are praying to our Abba for the clarification of things. Hallelujah. Amen. All right. So after leaving the temple, he cast lots for the two goats. The first would be sacrificed to Yahuwah on the spot. And the second would be sent into exile to Azazel after all the sins of Yasharal had been transferred to it. The casting of the lot symbolized Yahuwah's choice of the seer Lazazel, the scapegoat, to be sent to exile. Uh, how are we to understand the instruction to send this creature to Azazel? It all depends, of course, on the meaning of the word Azazel. According to the Timotic sages, the word Azazel, which is mentioned three times in the Bible, is the name of a particular cliff or especially treacherous mountain, Azel. They explained that on Yom Kippur, the high priest would cast lots and decide which goat would be sent to Azazel. Now, I have heard of no such mountain or cliff in the Holy Scriptures. So that's, to me, just one of those Talmudic things that they make up. For real. They make up a lot. They've made up a lot and it just got passed down from generation to generation. But again, I don't believe that they made up everything. They took our truths, the 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 things that were passed down from our ancestors by word of mouth, all right? And like I said, they contorted it. They perverted it. So it says, then an emissary would accompany the goat that was selected to the location some seven miles from Jerusalem. And there he would throw the poor goat off the cliff to its death. Now, again, that's just, that's in the Tumult. I don't see that in the scriptures and I haven't even read it in the apocryphal books. All right. There is also another way of understanding the word Azazel. And that is as the name of a supernatural being to whom the poor goat must be sacrificed. If Yahuwah is the essence of good, Azazel is an evil demon or a lesser Alahan that is fed by the sins of the people. This second interpretation comes from the Jewish Apocrypha, or more specifically, the first book of Enoch, which details Azazel's awful nature. Here, there is no trace of a helpless animal forced to carry the sins of the collective through no fault of its own. Rather, Azazel is the rebellious angel at the head of a heavenly plot to take over the earth. Come on, y'all. Come on, y'all. Hallelujah. May the spirit of truth go forward. May the spirit of wisdom go forward. Abba Yahuwah, help us to separate what is true from what is a lie. And I ask this again in Yahweh's name. 
The first book of Enoch retells the story cited in Genesis chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, of the angels who had relations with the daughters of men. The offspring of their unnatural union were the Nephilim, giants of renown who filled the earth. Enoch, the seventh generation between Adam and Noah, is naturally the central figure of this book and is chosen to bring Yahuwah's message to the rebellious angels. One of those evil angels, the second in importance only to their leader, Shemiaza, is Azazel. Azazel's influence on mankind is destructive and eternal. He taught men to make swords and knives and shields and breastplates and made known to them the metals of the earth and the art of working them and bracelets and ornaments and the use of antimony. Now I'm going to say these things are in use even unto today. How did man learn them? A lot of people want to discredit the book of Enoch, but they cannot account for how man, how did mortals know if I mix this and I mix that, I'm going to get this effect and that effect. Mm -hmm. Okay. And the beautifying of the eyelids and all kinds of costly stones and all coloring tinctures. He teaches humans not only to make weapons of war, he shows them the power of artificial and, I'm sorry, my eyes. He shows them the power of artifice and hypocrisy. And as he results, and as a result of this destructive influence, there arose much godlessness. Okay? And they committed fornication and they were led astray and they became corrupt in all their ways. Although Enoch warned the rebellious angels, they remained steadfast in their destructive ways. Now, I don't see Enoch warning the angels. It does not say that in the book of Enoch. He brought judgment to the angels. He told the angels, what thus says Yahuwah, that they would not receive peace in the earth, that they would see their offspring slayed by the edge of the sword. All right. He didn't warn them, though. All right. We're, we're right now on YouTube. You guys know that we're in um, the book of Enoch right now. And it doesn't say that he warned them. It says that he actually tried to intercede for them. And the Most High said, no, I sent them there that they may intercede for man, not the other way around, okay? So, they remained steadfast in their destructive ways and were punished for it. Thus, Azazel finds himself bound in the desert. This is, in fact, an original and interesting explanation of the origin of the sacrifice of the scapegoat in the desert. And again, Yahuwah said to Raphael, bind Azazel hand and foot. And this is in the book of Enoch right here, where it says, bind Azazel hand and foot and cast him into the darkness and make an opening in the desert, which is in Dudael and cast him therein. The place upon him and place upon him rough and jagged rocks and cover him with darkness and let him abide there forever and cover his face that he might not see light. And on the day of the great judgment, he shall be cast into the fire. Azazel appears in other Jewish works from the first centuries CE, and even more interestingly, he has a starring role 
in a in various Christian traditions. The religion that grew out of Judaism. What religion grew out of Judaism? Christianity. Also preserved something of the sacrifice. Uh-uh, I'm sorry. And this is, I do this all the time. I'm sitting here reading without my glasses as my eyes, everything is getting blurrier and blurrier. But I'm going to try to get through this, family. Because um, it's like 2.53 in the morning. Okay, and I do have to work today, unfortunately. I mean, you know, I am I am thankful to be gainfully employed. But how how I long for the day when Fusion Five Essentials, which is my own hair care and skincare business, when when it's able to fully sustain me, that I will no longer have to be employed by anyone, that I don't have to be in the service of anyone, that I will only be in the services of, of Ab Yahuwah. Hallelujah. But until then, I do have to get up and go to work tomorrow. Well, today. So I'm going to try to wrap this up without going on a hunt for my glasses. I'm going to do it. One day you guys are going to be proud of me. I'm going to be like, guys, I did it. I got the chain for my glasses and I keep them around my neck. So I always know where they at. All right. Anyway, the religion grew. The religion that grew out of Judaism also preserved something of the scapegoat. From the book of Leviticus, according to some of the early church fathers, Azazel was even one of the names of the devil himself. Is it any wonder that so many illustrations show the devil with the hind quarters and hooves of a goat? So for those of you that um that are comfortable referencing that Hasatan is a goat, right? That um, even when people say, you know, this this ball player is the goat or uh, that rapper is the goat and that's supposed to mean greatest of all times. Yeah, okay. He's the worst. He's the fall of all time. Anyway, um, you guys are comfortable with saying that but then want to completely discredit the book of Enoch. But don't discredit the Bible. And, and and the Azazel is in the Bible. I'm just saying. Y'all make sure y'all tune in to the next reading of the book of Enoch. All right. We're picking up from chapter 15. No, we ended chapter 15 the other day. So we're going to start uh, in chapter 16. Whenever the Most High allows me to go back in and, and, and give some more of that chapter. So anyway, so the next time you decide to make someone a scapegoat. Or, heaven forbid, wish someone a long visit to hell or some other desolate wilderness. We recommend that you hurry and cool off. Hmm. Hmm. My, my, my. My, my, my. Mm, 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 mm. I don't even think I want to finish reading the rest of what this says, but I'm going to read it. And I'm going to say this. I'm going to ask you this. What would possess you? And I say that word not loosely. I say that word on purpose. What would possess you to tell your brother or sister to go to hell? If you've ever done that, I have done that. I have done that, not realizing the seriousness of those words. Yahusha came to prevent us from going to hell. How dare you, out of your mouth, Sentence your brother or your sister who is made in the image of the Most High Yahweh Allah to go to hell. Look what this says here. It says here. Mm. So the next time you decide to make someone a scapegoat or heaven forbid, wish someone a long visit to hell or some other desolate wilderness. We recommend that you hurry, cool off, 
appease your demons and prove to the devilish Azazel that you were just joking. Now, I'm going to say this. Number one, you don't appease no demon. You cast them out if they're in someone. You cast them out and you command them to go back to where they came from. They can never go back to their original place. So let's be clear. See, that's another way they want to try to trick you. Go back to where you came from. They can't go back to where they came from. They came from the Shamayim by the word of the father. And then became something that he hated. So when you cast them out, you send them to the abyss. You send them into the lake of fire. You send them into an everlasting place of torment. But they do not have permission to go back from whence they came. Understand the power. Understand the power that you have as a son and daughter of the Most High Yahweh Allah For the scriptures tell us that we will judge even the angels. So mind you saying, go back from whence you came because they cannot. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Abba Yahuwah, have your way. Have your way. And it is not a joke. It says, it says here, and what source is this? Blog of NLI.org. Get out of here with all of that. Tell them you was just joking. I was just joking. What does the Bible say about coarse jesting? You don't play like that. Watch your mouth. Watch your heart. What is your heart posture? You can just tell somebody to go to hell. I didn't really even realize how serious that was before. Do you hear me? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. You want no one to go to hell? But the nasty, disgusting things that belong there. Okay? You don't want your brother or your sister to go to hell. No matter what they did against you. You want those demonic spirits that are influencing them to go to hell. Not your brother or sister. You hear me? Hmm. Anyway. I'm going to continue here. It says, there's really no need. For all that, after all, the modern kaparat, meaning atonement or kaparim, atonement chicken, is the natural heir to the biblical and tumultic scapegoat, a helpless creature unto which we transfer all our sins. No, we don't transfer our sins onto no chicken. What kind of hoodoo voodoo crap is that? Huh? We, the children of the Most High Yahuwah, Allah Hayim, us Yehudi, us Yesharites, we don't transfer our sins to no chicken. We repent for our sins. We beg Yahuwah to forgive us for our sins. Hallelujah. We thank Yahusha, Hamashiach, for him while he was Bleeding out for him asking the father to forgive because our ancestors foolishly did not know what they were doing. That is what we do concerning our sin. We don't put it in no chicken. Y'all got to see them little hats. I've never seen them, but I could just imagine they out there <clears throat> in Brooklyn, New York, because it's a bunch of them cutting the heads off of chickens. Still sacrificing chickens. Sacrificing animals. Oh, don't these weird people in these nasty diabolical cultures sacrifice animals to this day? Sacrificing children to this day? No. I'm going to say this. Let it not be named among you, Yasharal. Let it not be named among you. Brothers and sisters of Yahusha HaMashiach. 
Hmm. All right, but I just wanted to share that little information in because I found it quite interesting today when I, I laid my eyes on Leviticus 16. And I've read this chapter numerous times in my life. Numerous times in my life. I even heard a teaching. A, a, a Maria trumpet's call when she taught about the Day of Atonement about a year ago. And made the connection to the Azazel in Enoch. To the Azazel in, in Leviticus 16. But it didn't, it didn't, it didn't hit, you know, dawn on me. It hit different today. It hit different today. All right. So anyway. Reading on. And I'm going to be stopping. Let me see. I'll tell you guys right now. Um, what verse I will be ending. In this chapter of Leviticus chapter 16. Okay. We're going straight through from. Verse 8. To verse 34. Hallelujah. And we're now at verse 11. And Aharon shall bring the bull of the sin offering, which is for himself, and make atonement for himself and for his house, and shall slay the bull as the sin offering, which is for himself, and shall take the and shall take a fire holder filled with burning coals of fire from the slaughter place before Yahuwah, with his hands filled with sweet incense, beaten, beaten fine, and shall bring it inside the veil. And he shall put the incense on the fire before Yahuwah, and the cloud of incense shall cover the lid of atonement, which is on the witness lest he die and he shall take some of the blood of the bull and sprinkle it with his finger on the lid of atonement and on the east side not and just on the east side oh it's getting worse y'all my eyes getting blurry all right no literally i am gonna go get my glasses after this chapter i'm gonna try to find them all right and he shall take some of the blood of the bull and sprinkle it with his finger on the lid of atonement on the east side. Also, in front of the lid of atonement, he sprinkles some of the blood with his finger seven times. And he shall slay the goat of the sin offering, which is for the people, and shall bring its blood inside the veil, and shall do with that blood as he did with the blood of the bull and sprinkle it on the lid of atonement and in front of the lid of atonement. He shall make atonement for the set apart place because of the uncleanness of the children of Yasharal and because of their transgressions and all their sins. And so he does that for the tent of appointment, which is dwelling with him in the midst of their uncleanness. And no man should be in the tent of appointment when he goes in to make atonement in the set-apart place until he comes out. And he shall make atonement for himself and for his household and for all the assembly of Yasharal. And he shall go out to the slaughter place that is before Yahweh and make atonement for it. And he shall take some of the blood of the bull and some of the blood of the goat and put it on the horns of the slaughter place all around. And he shall sprinkle some of the blood on it with his finger seven times. And cleanse it and set it apart from the uncleanness of the children of Yasharal. And when he was finished atoning for the set apart place and the tent of appointment and the slaughter place, 
he shall bring the live goat. Then Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat and shall confess over it all the crookedness of the children of Yasharal and all their transgressions and all their sins and shall put them on the head of the goat and shall send the goat and shall send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a fit man. And the goat shall bear on itself all the crookedness to the land, mm -mm, to a land cut off. Okay. So this is coinciding with what we just read in that article, right? It says, and the goat shall bear on itself all the crookedness to a land cut off, a deserted land. Thus, he shall send the goat away into the wilderness. Aharon shall then come into the tent of appointment and shall take off the linen garments which he put on when he went into the set-apart place and shall leave them there. And he shall bathe his body in water in the set-apart place. He's taking a mikvah, right? Taking a bath. And shall put on his garments and shall come out and prepare his ascending offering and the ascending offering of the people and make atonement for himself and for the people and burn and burn the fat of the sin offering on the slaughter place. And he who sent away the goat to Azazel washes his garments and shall bathe his body in water. And afterward, he comes into the camp. And the bull for the sin offering and the goat for the sin offering, whose blood was brought in to make atonement for the set-apart place, is brought outside the camp. And they shall burn their skins and their flesh and their dung with fire. And he who burns them washes his garments and shall bathe his body in water. And afterward, he comes into the camp. And this shall be for you a law forever. In the seventh new moon, on the seventh day of the new moon, you afflict your beings and do no work. When does it say? The seventh day of the new moon of the seventh month. That's what it says here in the Bible. It says here, when should you make atonement? When should you observe the day of atonement? It says it here. It says, verse 29. Of Leviticus chapter 16, and this shall be for you a law forever in the seventh new moon. On the seventh day of the new moon, you afflict your being and do no work. The native or the stranger who sojourns among you, for on that day he makes atonement for you to cleanse you, to be clean from all your sins before Yahuwah. It is a Shabbat of rest for you, and you shall afflict your beings, a law forever. And the priest who is anointed and ordained to serve as priest in his father's place shall make atonement and shall put on the linen garments, the set-apart garments, and shall make atonement for the most set-apart place, and make atonement for the tent of appointment, and for the slaughter place, and make atonement for the priests, and for all the people of the assembly. Verse 34. And this shall be for you a law forever, to make atonement for the children of Yasharal for all their sins 
once a year. And he did as Yahweh commanded Moshe. Now, now, today is the 10th. If, in fact, April is the first month, then indeed, October will be the seventh month. So let us see what the scriptures says take place now on the 10th day of the seventh month. All right. After a song break. Now, here's a song from my Christian days. Um, but I, I really love this song so much because it speaks my heart. Honestly, it speaks my heart. And I love that I can still worship to it because you don't hear the false names in it. Okay? So we know that we cry out to Yahweh, Alahayim, to Yahweh, Alahayim, Yahweh, Sarawot, Yahweh, Rafa, Yahweh, Yaira, Aman. We know we give esteem to Yahusha, Yahushua, Yahushai, the Messiah. Hallelujah. Aman. What I long for Holiness Is what I need Holiness Holiness Is what you want For me For me
Hallelujah, hallelujah. I just love the Most High and for the time that He gives me to study in His Word. You know what I mean? Because, you know, I, I it's so important for Scripture to interpret itself and it says what it says. So there's really, really not that much of a reason for us to be tripped up and, and caught up on dates and times because it's right here in the Word. It's literally right here on the word. And even as I'm reading this right now, hallelujah, I just got a correction because I was literally about to go in to the day of Sukkot. Okay. But it's just so amazing how since last night, the father had me doing atonement. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you guys, all right? So we are now in Leviticus chapter 23. And we're going to start with uh, the Feast of Trumpets, okay? Let me, let me read it. Let me read it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It says, okay, so Leviticus 23, starting in verse 23. It says, And Yahuwah. Spoke to Moshe, saying, Speak to the children of Yasharal, saying, In the seventh new moon, on the first day of the new moon, you have a rest, a remembrance of teruah. Teruah is trumpets. Okay? That's when the trumpets are to sound. And this is commemorating the day when Yahweh himself appeared on the mountain. Okay? And the trumpets, the sound of a trumpet sounded. It was the sound of a shofar sounding. All right? So, verse 25. You do no servile work, and you shall bring an offering made by fire to Yahweh. So I'm going to say this. I'm going to point this out. They did no serve our work. They didn't work for anybody, guys. At this time, they were no longer in slavery. So they had the liberty to keep these days and appointed time, these Moedim, because they didn't have to ask for the day off. They were not in slavery. This is, this is a clear um, sign that we are still in slavery. How many of us can say, okay, well, this is this day and I'm going to take off this day. The only, now these days are acknowledged and are days of no work by the ish people on the days and times that they instituted. Y'all, I just want to point out, they did these feasts already. They did these feasts already. And a lot of us have done these feast days already according to their timetable. So this is why I'm like, I'm grieved, you know, that I have to work during this time or lose my job. And, you know, we got those super boos that be like, well, lose your job then. You know, you lose your job then. We are still captive. We are still slaves. We are modern day slaves. So, am I going to go to work? Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go to work. You know, I go to work tonight. Later on tonight. But I bless the most high. 
that the night of the night, I was able to start. And the night of the 10th, I will still be very much afflicted. I will not take a meal and I will be working. That's affliction. Unfortunately, it is serve our work, but again, I am still in captivity. Hallelujah. But I bless his holy name for allowing me to commemorate these times in spirit and in truth to the best of my abilities here in the land of my captivity. So family, we're about to come to a close. Okay. Um, I just have a little more that I want to share with you guys. Um, let me go back just a little bit. So verse 36 of <clears throat> Leviticus 23 says, for seven days, you bring an offering made by fire to Yahweh. On the eighth day, there shall be a set apart gathering for you and you shall bring an offering made by fire to Yahweh. It is a closing festival. You do no servile work. These are the appointed times of Yahuwah, which you proclaim as set-apart gatherings to bring an offering made by fire to Yahuwah, an ascending offering and a grain offering, a slaughtering and drink offerings as commanded for every day besides the Shabbats of Yahuwah and besides your gifts and besides your vows and besides all your voluntary offerings, which you give to Yahuwah on the 15th day of the seventh new moon, when you gather in the fruit of the land, celebrate the festival of Yahuwah for seven days. On the first day is a rest and on the eighth day is arrest. So guess who's not going to work on the 15th? That much family, I will hold myself accountable to. I will not be going to work on the 15th or on the 23rd. Okay. Those days I'm going to hold near and dear to my heart. And I pray that as the father sees that I am really doing all that I can to commemorate these days that he said that we should keep forever in all of our dwellings, that he may add a blessing unto me and to my family, my children and myself, that will account unto righteousness. I just need that blessing of the father saying, my daughter is righteous. She's raising her children to be righteous. That is my desire. Hallelujah. All right, family. So um, we may be doing this in a part three. Okay, because there's still some scriptures that I do want to bring out, um, but I've kept you long enough today. So family, with that being said, shalom, shalom, salama, salam alaikum. Thank you so much for listening. And I hope you learned something today. Until next time, love you. Wait, hold up, hold up, hold up. So guys, I'm not going to stretch this out to a part three because checking in my notes here, there's only one more um, chapter Literally one verse in the chapter making a reference uh, to the Day of Atonement, okay? And this is Acts chapter 27, verse 9. So you stuck around this long. You might as well stick around a little longer. All right, let's do it, family. I'm scrolling there now to the book of Acts. All right, and it was Acts 27, was it? Yes, Acts 27, verse 9, and it reads, In much time, and much time having passed, and the sailing now being dangerous, because the fast was already over, Shaul advised them. So it says here in my notes that the Day of Atonement in the New Testament was just called the fast. All right. So just in case if people be like, oh, we don't have to do that. Now that was Old Testament stuff. Here it is. Here it is. Okay. 
It's referred to as the fast in Acts chapter 27, verse 9. All right, now I'm out. Bye.